This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Views on View. My name is Chris Fritz from the ViewCore team. And today on our panel, we have Eric Henschett, software developer, author of Vue.js in Action. Hello, hello. Also, Divya Sasidharan, Vue developer, speaker, and contributor. Hello. And Joe Eames, teacher and organizer of the Framework Summit Conference. And, and when is that coming up again, Joe? October 2nd and 3rd. October 2nd and 3rd, okay. Yeah. Can people already register for that? Uh, yep, you can register. And the CFP is currently open. So by the time this gets published, I think it'll be about four weeks left for the CFP to be open. Ooh, nice. Yep. Cool. I'll, I'll be there too, and I'm looking forward to it. Yep. All right, and today our guest is Dan Pastore. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm uh, Dan Pastore. I do uh, Vue.js and Laravel development, and nice to be on the show with you guys. Beautiful. So uh, today, like one of, the, one of the biggest things that we are excited to talk to you about is using Laravel with Vue. And, and for those who don't know, could you give a little bit of an introduction of what Laravel is? So for a quick introduction, Laravel is like the backend uh, PHP framework that kind of uh, for me, like changed my mind on how awesome PHP frameworks could be, but it does on the back end what Vue almost is to the front end. You know, you can kind of like, it handles a lot of uh, interaction with the database, it handles authentication, a whole bunch of uh, cool tools that are built in and supported by the community to make it just an awesome framework to like kickstart your application. And then when we work with Vue on the front end, it, they have some tools that kind of tie together and push each other along, which makes an awesome ecosystem for an app. Cool, cool. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are into Laravel who are also very into Vue. There's, there's actually a little bit of history there. Uh, did you mind going into that a little bit? Yeah, from the little that I know of the, the history is that, I mean, Laravel's been around for a while. I think I started using it in 4.2, which had been, man, 2015, 2014. And that's about the time you know, I got into Laravel with like the fact that Laracasts exist and they made it so easy, which is if you haven't heard of Laracasts and you want to get into Laravel, uh, Jeffrey Way does an awesome like tutorials on pretty much anything with Laravel. But then I heard him discuss this platform or this front end framework called Vue.js. At the time I was doing Angular and if you're familiar with Angular, it's kind of like a competitor to Vue. And he's like, if I'm a gambling man, I'd go with Vue.js. It's easy to pick up. He did a tutorial series. And since then, I was like, okay, Vue.js is awesome. And then when I went to the last Laravel, confer Laravel conference a couple of years ago, my last Laravel conference, um, Taylor, who created Laravel, and Evan, who created Vue, they kind of like talked about a collaboration. And there's lots of Laravel kind of bridging into the front end and working with components with Vue and Vue you know, being really friendly with Laravel, say with sending requests and working together. So you can kind of have the whole full stack cooperate with tools that interoperate with each, <laughs> with each technology. Hopefully I hit the nail on the head with some of that. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was one of the, the biggest or first big breaks for Vue, getting adoption by the, the huge Laravel community. And we've really become a, a first-class citizen there, which is really fantastic to see. I think there are a lot of design philosophies in common too. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes it so fun to do both. It's like they work so well together and they both have a similar, like, you can pick this up really easily or you can dive in depth, however deep you want to take it and have like full, full control of your application, which is awesome. Yeah. So, so let's say there are some like PHP developers uh, who are listening right now and they're also fans of you. What would you recommend about Laravel? Like what, what makes it what makes it a better fit for working with you than maybe a lot of other frameworks? I guess like from what I really appreciate about it is their documentation and right, I mean, right out of the box, if you do, you know, Composer install Laravel or any of the installations with Laravel, it comes with a cool front end called Laravel Elixir. I think it's still maintained by Jeffrey Wade. It's probably mixed now. I could call it Elixir from like day one, but it's mixed. And it has Webpack, which will compile all of your, um, it's like pretty much pre-configured to work with you. So if you're sending any like request headers, it, you know, you have like a nice CSRF token that gets sent along with Vue. It's configured to compile and work with Vue. It comes with Vue. Almost, you just have to run NPM install and you get Vue.js, you get everything ready to rock and roll. So it's like, okay, now you don't have to worry about you know, configuring another front-end framework. I mean, you can if you want. If you're a React or an Angular guy or girl, you can just go and install any of those, but it comes pre-configured with Vue. So it makes it a lot more fun. Okay, so there isn't really a lot of setup to do to get started yeah. with Vue. Very minimal setup, which is awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the docs. I think a lot of people from the Vue community will like appreciate good docs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they'll also Definitely. appreciate that in the Laravel community as well. And something else that I really like about Laravel is they their Laracast videos? Yeah, and many of them are, are just good like Vue videos as well. If you want to learn more about Vue, maybe if even if you're not that interested in, in uh, Laravel, they're, they're very well done. Oh, exactly. That's how that's how I got into Vue. Is uh, actually if you go to Viewcasts, Jeffrey has a whole series on Vue.js, which is pretty much platform independent for the back end, and you can learn everything about Vue. And just the way he presents that information makes a learning curve like. I think it was like a weekend to go from Angular to Vue and never look back. <laughs> oh, interesting. I, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. Is it Viewcast.com or? Yeah, so Viewcast. Let's see here. Make sure. Well, we, can, we can drop it in the show notes. Yeah, so Viewcast.com. If you go there, it resolves to Laracast and their Vue series. Wow, that's cool. I, I didn't know that all of their Vue videos were together somewhere. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it's all Vue. He updated for Vue 2. Once I learned Vue 1, Vue 2 is pretty easy to adopt with awesome documentation. And he still does. He updated everything to Vue 2. And I think he dives in a little in Vue X and Vue Router as well. Cool. So, so what kind of role does Vue have in a Laravel application? So Laravel is taking care of the back end. Does Vue handle like every, everything on the front end? Does it handle like all the HTML, all the JavaScript, all the CSS? Well, for the way I like use Vue, depend on like the structure of the app. I've been really kind of getting into the whole single page application, which is a controversial subject on whether you like it or not. I mean, <clears throat> there's definitely applications that are not well. A single page application, Vue handles everything. Yeah, but in like and, a, you know a standard as you kind of think normal application. The and for those who might not be familiar, yep. like a, a single page application. So is that just like a website with one page? So that would be like a website that loads its resources almost on demand. So it does a lot of stuff with the history. 
I like the, uh -huh. it, the history override. So it looks like you're navigating to a new page, but in reality, you're, you're just loading new resources and making it look like a new page. Okay. There's some like speed benefits, but then you know, there's also sorts of... It works for some applications. I love doing it, but there's also the other type of applications, much larger applications that might be kind of a pain. But Vue would handle almost all of the front-end rendering for that or on a normal application, any little component that you would like to you know, reuse or some kind of like special functionality. It makes things a breeze to handle. Okay, so it's like, if you, it's like one HTML file, but the JavaScript, you know, including Vue, will handle like changing out the HTML and, and stuff like that when you go to different pages and it'll change the page actually in your browser. Yep. So, so it looks it. like you're at a new page, even though it didn't have to like completely load from scratch. Yeah, definitely. So when you're building like, you know, application where, I mean, that I wrote a tutorial series on building an application for finding awesome coffee shops. I'm a huge coffee enthusiast and it loads uh, just what it needs almost at the time. So it'll load like if you go to the cafes page, it'll load like a list of, you know, cafes on a map mm -hmm. and doesn't need to load anything else. Maybe you're, you know, if you have a, like a normal application and have like a piece of JavaScript that you don't really use all the time mm -hmm. in a single page application that won't be loaded until it is needed to be loaded. And Vue renders everything. So it makes it nice and simple to use. Vue makes it easier for you to find your coffee, which is yeah. probably the most important thing <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, as a developer. Definitely. Yeah, as a developer keeps drinks coffee and relies on it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's definitely an awesome front-end framework, especially if you're doing like, you know, templates and, you know, reactivity or any sort of like, you know, content that's moving around that you need mm -hmm. to, you know, if you're in jQuery, had to swap out and do a whole bunch of writing view handles very easily. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like Vue can sort of take over everything in a single page application. It can take care of all the JavaScript, HTML, CSS, or it can also take care of only parts of it if you want to do it that way too. So yeah. you, can, you can have a lot of like HTML and CSS and other JavaScript served by Laravel. And then you can introduce Vue just for this like one little dashboard on your page or something like that, or just, just for the coffee serving part. Yeah, completely. <laughs> you can use it for little components that uh, maybe require some, you know, more interaction or have like dynamic mm -hmm. data. It'll, it's really powerful. It'll automatically re-render re what's necessary and you can use it as the whole, you know, the whole app itself, or you can use it as a piece of a bigger application. Super flexible. So Dan, yep. I've been living in the world of like single page applications for a long time now. Uh, but with Laravel, Laravel is a little bit uh, like detailed towards or built to handle these uh, applications that aren't necessarily single page, right? And so that, is that one of the reasons why, first off, is that, is that a, a fair, correct statement? Yeah, so Laravel definitely has a lot of stuff written for you know a standard application. We're making a new request to load everything right, right. off the bat. But with Laravel 5.3, um, they, I mean, they released a, like an add-on package called Laravel Passport, which kind of does like an OAuth um, server out of the box. Now you can start using some of the built-in Laravel tools to kind of build an API. So you, you can and I think five four five Laravel five four five five I forget which one actually is starting to be like okay you know here's an, a whole configuration for your API 
And now you can start separating as a single page app, the view front end from the Laravel back end. So use Laravel to get the data view to render the data. And then you can like distribute it to mobile, desktop, uh, web fairly easily. Okay. So I got a few questions there about this. One is uh, uh, if going back to like Laravel is, is uh, typically used to kind of handle everything, but you just need more functionality, user interactivity on the front end. View seems like uh, the most natural choice here, right? Over some of the other front-end frameworks because they tend to be a little bit heavier, a little bit heavier to load up, uh, whereas Vue is really quick and light and easy to load up. But that, do you think that there's like a synergy and that's why Vue became so popular in the Laravel community is because of that or was it other reasons? I, I agree completely. I think that Vue became popular because, I mean, if I'm going to speak on anyone who's on my behalf, working with like Angular and Angular 1.5 point whatever is very heavy kind of unor I felt it's very unorganized to switch to view where it's clean, the documentation is straightforward, it's very flexible. It's almost feels like how I felt investigating like a coding nighter versus Laravel. Laravel is very clean, the documentation is beautiful, there's a nice community, it's very straightforward and flexible. And I think that's how those two like they found each other. It was like a match made in heaven. It was like we both allow that flexibility. If you want us to handle more, we can, but at the same time, your app is your app. Do what you want. We're here to help. But Vue really is great at just handling, oh, I just, you just want me to handle this little tiny piece? Awesome. I'll just handle this little tiny piece and the, the back-end framework's handling everything else. Yeah, completely. You know, back-end framework does its job of handling the data. Vue will be like, okay, I want this little component to be written in Vue. Works perfectly. If I want whole dashboard written in Vue, you could do that as well. Right. So does there, is there also, again, I'm not familiar with the Laravel community, is there a, a lot of uh, changes going on where people are starting to use, taking these uh, applications that are not single page, that are more server-side refreshes and server-side rendering, and starting to add in more and more view, but without actually like rewriting the, their apps, right, from the ground up, like you might, be, might do if you were to go to Angular, you know, Angular 2, well, it's, which is now about to be 6, or React. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like the question was if you take like an older application say you had like even written in jquery and like updated to use pieces of view yeah um we've done that on a couple of client applications ourselves where it's like the power of view for say um f you know filtering uh i think the article that you guys found was i did like a mix-in for filtering uh coffee shops on our application if there's a couple applications where you do like, okay, I want to, you know, I have a couple instances where I need to filter, you know, say like usernames or last names. I can, I've been taking like the jQuery code and converting it to a nice, you know, a search to view component, which is like all your HTML, your functionality, um, your JavaScript and your styles in one file. And then I can use that over and over, but I don't have to convert the entire application off of JavaScript. So the existing functionality is still there. Um, I call my same Laravel routes. It's loaded from a server refresh side, but that little piece is written in view. And that kind of flexibility is just amazing because as like features roll out for clients or clients want updates or whatever, okay, we can offer it in view and it's going to be everything you want faster. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like too good to be true, but once you get the hang of view, it's like, man, it's hard to like almost think about it, doing it through vanilla JavaScript or jQuery for a lot of things. Right. And then, uh, 
as a question about Laravel itself and the direction that it's been heading. Uh, you talked about this newest version of Laravel and how it's got some kind of built-in pieces. Is Laravel overall heading in more of a direction to to be uh, to utilize um, single-page applications and something on the front end like Vue to handle just is it heading in that direction to let somebody else, a front-end framework, handle all of the client side, and it's just going to start handling more of the initial rendering and then the back-end? I think that, I mean, from, I guess, where I feel that it's, it's going is it's actually just opening, up, opening it up as an option. Um, before, it was always a trick to do, like, any sort of single-page application. On the front-end side, you had a lot to deal with, but on the back-end side, you're consuming... Uh, you know, you have to send like a CSRF token or you have to send something for, you know, authentication. With the newest versions of Laravel, they have a Laravel Passport, which is essentially like when Taylor demoed this at Laracon in 2015, he set up like, I think it's 2015, he set up an OAuth, like an OAuth server for handling authentication in like, it was like 10, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden you have that working with Vue. Now you have like authentication taken care of. And you have like a, an API structure ready to rock and roll in like no no time at all. But if you didn't want to use that, you didn't have to. So it just makes it more flexible to uh, have that single page application with a lot less overhead. And so, is there also a trend going on in the Laravel community where you're seeing uh, these sort of hybrid single page applications where? You know, before you might be sending down a page and then you start having a view just handle just a little tiny bit, like a little widget here, a little widget there. And then pretty soon you've got this small section of the application where that's all handled with some client side routes and views handling, you know, three or four pages. And then when you get to a different section and it's going back to Laravel, is that is that uh, happening in the community or is it more of a wholesale? Either you're having view just do a little bit on the page or else it's you're going to complete client, uh, single page application. I think that it's almost like a design thing from the get-go. You could have like a certain page in a standard server rendered application that is all handled by Vue, which is nice with that flexibility. Um, some of the newer apps like that we've been pushing for like internal applications, we've been doing it API first, where it's, it's super nice because like if you're, familiar with some of the other JavaScript tools like Cordova or Electron, Vue plays really nice with those, and you can use 99% of the same code and redistribute it throughout all of your apps. Um, so that's like a benefit of it, but then there's also, you know, in the trend of the Laravel community, <clears throat> I, I guess like there's a lot of pushback on single-page applications from just like forums that I've read. of like, okay, you know, it's cool for some things, but if you want you know, any sort of SEO, now you're doing a whole different ball game. There's some times where you want to not have a single page application, uh, maybe book marketing, book marketing or supporting older browsers, then it's probably not the best option. And you can still use Vue on some of those older browsers to get that reactivity and add cool functionality without it being a single page app. Yeah, um, is that changing at all with the... Uh the new, like with Google doing better at processing JavaScript, or I mean, is SEO still becoming, is still one of the major reasons uh, not to move to a single page application? Uh, SEO has been like the argument that is, I guess what people I've read have argued the most. I mean, I wouldn't be too familiar on any of the other arguments. I, I know from personal experience trying to do SEO on a single page application, 
can be very, <laughs> very challenging. You can do in Vue uh, 2. Well, the newer, or the, I know 2.0, they have server side rendering as well. And then you can get some of those uh, you know, like extra you know, server side rendered pages that Google can scrape. But supposedly Google claims that if the client can see it, they can scrape it. So it's one of those like gray areas. Okay, is it, you know, I'm not an SEO expert. Is it really seeing everything that's on the page or is it, you know, just Google claiming it and people picking up on it? I guess I wouldn't, wouldn't know exactly. Right. And that could be such a critical issue, right? If you have your SEO rankings drop just a tiny bit, that could, that could mean a lot of money. To a oh, lot of completely. Completely. Right. Yeah, that's and where, I'll go ahead. I was just going to say my understanding the last time I actually like tested this because, you know, I'd, I'd heard a lot of rumors and I didn't really know it was happening. And this was like June, a year and a half ago. So this information might not be current anymore. But I found that uh, I still wasn't getting uh, scrapers seeing all the information when there was an immediate like load of most content. And then I was making an Ajax request to fetch other content. So it was still showing like, you know, little loading bars or something like that for for some things yeah or like a view router tag like when you do like the test scrape it's just like oh there's supposed to be data here (laughs) you know it just hasn't hasn't seen it i've noticed that too there's a framework called nuxt that i'd really like to check out that you know kind of makes that server-side rendering easier to install i guess or easier to configure but i haven't yeah it it, it actually gives you ssr out of the box so you don't have to configure it at all it's just automatic oh that is awesome i'll definitely have to hop on that cool and and you've been uh, you're talking a little bit about apis and connecting to an api with Vue. is there is there anything special that you have to do for that because Vue doesn't come with like a utility to make Ajax requests, right? Like it's not not like jQuery or something like that, where you can just say like dollar sign dot get or something like that. Yeah, totally. It's uh, you'd need to install Axios. I think is it's the one that's I think most heavily used in the Vue community. I think you can use it in any uh, JavaScript framework or even on its own. Um, it it handles all of the uh, API requests. So you can do you know anything from git, post, to put, delete, uh, anything restful with Axios. And their documentation is beautiful, works with Vue. Uh, I think it's just npm install Axios and you're ready to rock and roll. So, so how does that work within Vue? Like if you, let's say for your, your coffee page and you're, you're listing you know, the, the nearest really cool coffee places. Yep. Uh, are you getting those coffee places from an API? Yeah, so the way that I the way that I structured that application, it's uh if you want to check it out, it's online, it's at roastandbrew.coffee. It's just more or less a fun application. But the way I structured that was I had Vue handle the front end and on like transitions they'd call an API that I wrote. So I kind of wrote the API from the ground up. It'd be my own API uh for like the content that's specific to my or our application. And then Vue will call that API to load a list of cafes or an individual cafe or an update to a cafe. Uh, it all handles all those calls through Axios to a Laravel backend, which is mm-hmm. configured to operate like an API. So when a, like, let's say our, our coffee list uh, or coffee places list component, yeah. when, when that's created, you know, like in the created hook, you could uh, start that request. And then as soon as we have coffee, you know, we could, we could set that to like a, 
a data property or something inside of that component. Totally. Um, for that, or use what uh, Vuex, <laughs> which is what uh, I use to store all of the data once it's loaded. And Vuex is, is another awesome feature of the Vue ecosystem, which allows you to reuse data in all the components. And it, <clears throat> so to go walk through a request, I would, when the uh, cafe, say you want to load up cafe A, cafe A, you navigate to that page, it loads that cafe, stores it in your Vuex component. And now it, Will you will do its magic with this reactivity? You load it in the components that you want, and it displays the data for that cafe. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for DevChat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at DigitalOcean.com. Okay, cool. So, so Vuex takes care of like managing state that you might want to share between components. Completely, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Cool. I, I love that. I, I love it when I hear people talk about, you know, their applications like that. It's like, oh, it's just beautiful. Oh, it feels so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say maybe my code's it's, not beautiful. It's, but it's a great place to be able to talk about your tools like that. No, sorry, you, you're saying? Oh, I was just saying, yeah, maybe my code's not too beautiful, but the whole Vuex ecosystem is beautiful. It just works together. It like, you know, limited overhead. If you need to throw on an extra piece, throw on an extra piece and just ready, ready for you to, ready for you to use in your app. So, cool. so okay. did you ahead, um, did you start using Vuex out of the box when you started your project, or was it something that you realized you needed to integrate in? Because, like for instance, you wanted to like at what point was it you realized that you needed to integrate Vuex, or was it something that you already started with? Oh, totally. So when I started learning Vue, it was like 1.0, and Vuex was in real beta. I was working on applications, kind of messing around with it. Like, man, I am handling properties and parent components and passing them down like 10 chains. And I was like, this is like one of those times as like a developer, you feel like there should be a better way. And I didn't understand Vuex until I saw uh, the beautiful graphs explaining how it kind of works as that state management tool. And, you know, I was kind of like, oh man, it's a whole new thing to learn, but I, I think this will fit. And once I got it, it was like, yeah, now all of my data is stored in those Vuex modules and all that state is stored there and I can use it at will without having to work on passing properties back and forth. And if you follow their lifecycle diagram and how to update it, it just like, it fit like a glove. It's like, this was the missing piece. I think the guy who made the uh, Redux, I think it was the quote on the Vuex. Uh, oh, Dan Abramov? Yeah, where it's like, yeah. you don't, it's like glasses. You don't know if you need them until you need them. Like, or something along those lines. But yeah, mm -hmm. that, that was kind of how I went with. Now, knowing that that tool is there, it's like, okay, this is awesome. Have you ever played around with any other ways of like passing data through that doesn't involve props? Like, uh, like using, well, provide inject or any of the other features within Vue? Um, I've done a few like event where, or like event handling systems where I'll pass data through events. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, those are more like, you know, not really state. They're more transient, I guess you'd call it, where it's like, okay, I only need this for a little bit. You know, display a success notification or, mm -hmm. you know, pass this cafe. I haven't used 
anything really beyond like Vuex data store and then passing uh, data through properties. Yeah, I think we've had uh, we've talked about this before on the podcast. The like when exactly to use Vuex because there are times where people use event buses, <laughs> which yeah. like Chris has opinions on. I, I don't opinion. know if you yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if you've ever used an event bus or anything of that form uh, in order to like push view to the boundaries before hitting and this before deciding to use Vuex. Oh, so you were trying to trap him with that question? No, I'm not trying to trap him. With this. <laughs> I'm trolling you yet again. <laughs> this is just my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it'd be pretty difficult, like trying to do an event bus to handle all of the. I, and honestly, I'll admit, the first time when I before I discovered Vuex and thought there'd be a better way, I definitely was heavy on the event bus, passing yeah. things back and forth, and it's like. Man, I'm passing a lot of data through these mm-hmm. things. Just something didn't seem right, but Vuex yeah. was like the the key to the problem right there. Yeah, it definitely uh, cleans up a lot of your code because I've I've done the exact same thing. So. Oh yeah, you have like a component that has like thirty properties, and you're like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Great. So, is there anything special that you have to do, like uh, with? Like I, when you're using Vuex to make those kinds of API calls and manage that state, like Vuex, do do they have created hooks or something like that? Like, how do you tell Vue when to go and get that data? So Vuex has a few different. I mean, it's like a data store, and you you know you would load. So when you load your data, you'd call or you'd call an action to load a piece of data on a Vuex store. In that action, you, know, you run your process, whether you're loading your data from a database, making an API call, whatever way. Whenever you get that data back, you would uh, like set a mutation and store that data. So to load a piece of data in our application, it'd be like, okay, say this route changed, we have a new ID. We would trigger an action on the Vuex data store that would load that data from our API. When that data is loaded, we would set that data in the Vuex module, and that will trigger Vue's reactivity wherever I'm using that to update that data. So if I were to like load a user, I would call a method on the Vuex module, load user, get that user data, send a mutation, and it would store that user. And then wherever I reference that user in any of my components, it would update the data. Okay, so like Vuex actions are like Vue methods. Yeah, kind of like functions that you can call. Yeah, you almost like it's almost like an event to dispatch that action. So it's like you kind of, or let me see if I'm getting this right. I was getting confused with the other one. Um, Yeah, they're like methods essentially that you call to load the data Mm -hmm. that you need for your module. But yeah, yeah, you're right. If it's more like dispatching an event to say you want to call that action, Uh, because if you have uh, multiple Vuex modules, you know, these are like different pieces of state that you want to organize separately in your application and they have the same action name, then dispatching that action will actually call both of those functions. Oh, well, I guess I haven't ran into that, but that's, <laughs> that could be a fun, fun thing to debug or work to your advantage, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can get around that by namespacing your modules uh, if you do not want that behavior. Uh, in a lot of my applications, I choose to namespace all or, or most of my modules. Oh, wow. 
I've read about the namespace. To be honest, I haven't hopped into that much on the VUX side of things, but that's that'd be awesome. Oh no, that's cool. That's why we're all here to learn. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I would love to dive into that. Cool. So, is there something else about VUX that you've noticed that uh, has maybe surprised you? You know, like a, an advantage you didn't expect. I think, like the biggest advantage is just um, the ability to like for well, clean code is nice. Knowing that your data is stored in that single, uh, you know, single point of reference, and you don't have to worry about it being passed correctly down the chain through like a parent component to a child component if you're using that same piece of data. I think the biggest surprise on that is just how easy it was to implement VUX once you kind of like, once it clicked, it clicked. And then to organize your application, it almost like mimics part of the database side. I wouldn't say you want to load your whole database into your VUX state, but like... Yeah, depending on the size of your database, that could be a lot. (laughs) That that could be, that would slow things down dramatically, but... You have to download eight gigabytes before you can even get started. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, enjoy Yeah, enjoy that. Hope you're on fiber, but even if you're on fiber, you're waiting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the UX of the application is only good after it's downloaded. (laughs) But I think the cool thing is, is once you do those, you know, build out like a VUX module, um, you know, you're storing your data on the database side, the VUX module is kind of like, okay, you know, a single user will load that up here. We have that throughout the app. You can mm-hmm. use it in certain ways to even prevent, uh, you know, like security. I mean, single page application security is also another fun thing. You can prevent the data being loaded. But say if you have a page you want to block off, uh, you can check a VUX data store to be like, hey, is there a user that we have saved? If so, if there is, then we can navigate to this page. If not, redirect them back to like a login or something. Mm. So I, I think those kind of like hidden advantages of VUX make it super easy and like super exciting to use, I guess. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And, it, and for people who are maybe feeling like you used to feel, you mentioned you were a little bit intimidated by VUX at first and you thought it would be more complicated than it turned out to be. Do you have any advice that you'd give them? Definitely just like, I mean, I guess whenever learning something new is like, you know, just uh, like try it out. Like maybe have a fun application, mess around with it, and just dive in, glance over some of the features, like, you know, what it does, but then just follow the installation instructions on the documentation and then just try to like set, you know, don't take it to the whole single page application. Don't start switching all your data at once. Do it in small increments and mm. get the, get used to how that structure flows. And once that, once you start getting the hang of it, then you'll probably realize that, okay, I'm going to start converting entire applications to this structure. Okay, don't so be afraid to dive in. <laughs> so start small, you know, go through the docs, just start from the beginning. Yep. And you mentioned, you mentioned these graphs. Are, are those in the docs that, that really made things click for you? Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, <clears throat> those are, like, there's an explanation of what is Vuex, and it, I think it's right in the intro page. Yeah, it talks about like a state management pattern, but there's these awesome, uh, I'd say, almost like flow charts that are yeah. provided. That just, yeah, I haven't made those. Yeah, they're beautiful. Like, I mean, they're just like so well put together and they explain kind of the whole process behind, you know, how you're dispatching an action, committing a mutation, setting your state, and then reusing it. But just seeing that visual, it was like, 
if you're struggling with data or passing data to properties and you look at that, it's just like, okay, this is definitely something I need to use. And then if you follow along with the uh, documentation, it kind of follows each step of that chart. It makes it a lot easier. Mm, so, so it sounds like you kept going back to that image and yeah. tying what you were learning back into it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's a, that's a good tying, yeah. Tying it back into it, seeing like, okay, I'm here. You know, this is, I got my data loaded into my store and how do I get it out? Okay. This is cool. Now, how do I get it? You know, I can get it out, but how do I actually get it into the view component to render and how do I use it in a view component? And once you get that whole loop, then it's like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is how I'm going to structure the rest of it. So when you organize actions, when you, you're mentioning your workflow with Vuex, yep. um, do you have a decision that you personally, or like a workflow that you personally have, where it's like, what is local state versus what should be global state? Or are you more inclined to mostly just have Vuex be, have handle all of the actions in your application? So I guess the way that I, I approach the, you know, how, what am I going to choose Vuex to have versus what am I going to store locally? If I am, say, manipulating data that's only used in one component, I'll tend to do that locally. If it's like I'm going to reuse data, like the same set of data, I'll store it in Vuex. For example, I wanted to do like a, um, I wanted to have a list of coffee shops in that application. So there's going to be a list used that plot them on a map, a list that is like a, a tangible list. Those are used in two different locations. But say if I wanted to write like um, something where uh, a specific component sorts or uh, filters them out, I might copy that locally instead of storing it globally if I wanted to have that kind of separation. So there's there is times where I guess for um, don't know if this is best practice or not, but I'd copy some of the view state, manipulate it for that single component, and that would be stored locally. Otherwise, anything kind of trivial where it'd be like, you know, a, a V model on an input, I would, I would store that locally as well. They wouldn't have to call an action store in state the whole time. I mean, I guess you could if you wanted to, but a lot of the times that just would be overkill. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's definitely up to like design you know, what you reuse, I'd say rule of thumb, if you reuse it more than once, I'd say Vuex, store it in Vuex. If you reuse it only, or if you use it only on a component or only on a component and its child component, then use it in the data, data properties. Okay, cool. Well, that's, that sounds like good advice. And does anybody else have uh, questions for, for, for Dan? Anything else we want to we want to ask before we yeah, start wrapping up. I think this is another interesting question to ask is what doesn't view handle well when dealing with Laravel? Mm, good question. Oh, that is a good one. Um, I guess like... Hmm. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about that. Like, I mean, I've run definitely run into trouble, but I don't think there's been a time where... I guess the biggest thing with doing like a, if you're going to do a single page application and you're, man, and you're doing like authentication, authentication on single page apps is always kind of tricky because you're dealing with a token and, you know, I guess 
once you get like layers deep in your application, what Vue wouldn't do well is like there's always those tricky situations with authentication, I guess, where, I mean, but that's just like, I guess, single page apps in general. I can't think of something specifically where Vue just is like, does not work with Laravel. I mean, they're so designed to be separate and work together where needed that it's like anything super specific. Um, you can, if you, you can do with Vue that, you know, super specific works with Laravel, you know, they separated enough and work together well enough that it's hard to find. I guess if you don't structure your application right and you send too many API requests, like really quick, like if you're doing it autocomplete, you'll get an error from Laravel, but that's almost a benefit because you should restructure your application. But yeah, that's a difficult one. I'd say maybe just dealing with some of the single page authentication, which is tricky and everything. Right, right. Yeah, that, no, that definitely makes sense. Definitely makes yeah. sense. So, and obviously maybe a, an opportunity for the community to put out uh, more tools and more options there. Yeah, definitely. If someone kind of did like a view component that handle like Laravel has a cool uh, like module written by you know, Taylor and the Laravel community called Socialite, which allows for social login, which is very heavily JavaScript as well. <clears throat> Since you're you know, usually opening like a Facebook page and like doing callbacks. If you handled, I guess if someone made like a view component that handled what Socialite does on the back end, made it easier for a single page app on the front end, that would be really cool. I mean, if you're doing it a certain way, but other than that, they work well together still. Maybe some intrepid listener could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice, awesome. Nice word there, intrepid. We'll leave, we'll, we'll leave that out there. Do, do our bidding, universe. Perfect. And then um, you mentioned a little bit about like using, so as you mentioned, using Laravel with Vue, um, do you, for your routing, use Laravel or do you use Vue? So if I'm doing a single page application, I would write like RESTful API routes in Laravel and then handle the front end with Vue Router, which is another piece of the ecosystem, handles all of the page navigation and then, you know, trigger the actions I would call API requests. If I was doing like a standard server side rendered application at, with like a view component, then I would use Laravel's routing tool, load up the view component. And once that's all loaded, the JavaScript would make the view component active. That makes sense. Yeah. View router is also very nice. If it makes single page applications much more feasible. <laughs> yeah, totally. Beautiful. Okay. Should we wrap up or is there any last questions that we should go over? Any last questions for Dan? This might be the last uh, chance. I do have one last question for Dan. Yep. What products do you use to make that beard so awesome? Oh, man. <laughs> so well, we should explain for people who are, who yes. are listening to this. So uh, when we saw Dan's picture at first, you know, it was this, uh, you know, a very clean cut guy with a tie and everything. And we see him on the video and we see this, uh, this, this grizzly man. Um, I think he's in the wilderness right now. There are trees in the background. No, I'm just kidding. There are lights. <laughs> yeah. He has at least two <laughs> in his hand right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's been chopping wood this whole time. I don't know if you yeah. could hear it. Chop <laughs> yeah. wood and develop at the same time. That'd be a trick. <laughs> yeah, he has this, this, this rock and beard right now. So yeah, what, what, what do you use? What's the secret? So 
handmade uh, beard oil, I guess would be the only thing. And then just like the willingness not to shave. I need some clarification here. Is handmade beard oil a brand of beard oil or is, do you actually hand make your beard oil? <laughs> so my girlfriend's in all sorts of uh, essential oils and like oil diffusing. And she found a recipe to actually hand make beard oil. So Wow. <laughs> yeah, I so never thought I would encounter somebody who used handmade beard oil. This yeah, that's <laughs> so. If you want like some nice like certain pine scent or something like that in the beard oil, yeah, it's all handmade. I don't know the exact. She has like all these different oils that she uses to mix it up, but it smells good. You know, it keeps it nice and not so scratchy. I guess so. Sounds like that works out for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's nice. Cool, cool. So let's move on to picks. Uh, Joe, would you like to go first? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Absolutely. So I got two picks today. The first one is um, my smartwatch. I bought this, actually had it given to me as a gift. It's the Casio Outdoor Smartwatch. It's like two years old. And I went through a phase of the last like six months where I barely wore it at all and almost never used it. And then I started wearing it again uh, for various reasons. And it applied a couple of soft date, software updates the last six months worth. And all of a sudden, the watch is like 10 times better than it was six months ago because the software updates is getting uh, better notifications and really cool features like being able to return texts by uh, na- uh, narrating into the watch itself. I feel like Batman talking to my watch. So... Um, I'm sure that a lot of other smartwatches have a lot of the similar features, but I really like this one, the Casio Outdoor Smartwatch. It has like a compass and stuff, so if you do any hiking or things like that, it also has some, some kind of cool features with it. So that's my first pick. And then my second pick is a book I've been reading called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. It's about success, and it was an, a great book up until the last chapter. And then at the last chapter, it became this like unbelievably amazing book, one of my t- top favorite books of the last couple of years. So I highly recommend it. Barking Up the Wrong Tree. The idea is basically it's an examination of just what success is and, um, in general in life and uh, a very interesting look into the concept of success. Well, now I just want to skip to the last chapter. (laughs) Will that work or? (laughs) I I don't know. Like, I feel like you probably missed some if you did skip to the last chapter, but. I I could could go to the, should I read the last chapter first and then read the rest? I would be interested to have you do that and then tell me what you thought, if that that actually worked out for you. Yes. Interesting. Cool. I'm very intrigued now what's in that chapter. I don't know if I'll be able to stop myself. Right. All right. So Divi, would you like to go next? Yeah. Sure. So I have two picks. My first one is a HTML and CSS project done by a developer named Diana Smith. 
And I think it made the rounds on Twitter, but she recreated an 18th century oil painting using just plain HTML and CSS. And it's absolutely, absolutely stunning. Um, there was like some criticism online because it only worked in Chrome, but I think the amount of work that it took to get into it was just like breathtaking that I almost am like hats off. It's great. Um, so that's one that's worth checking out. And then the other one is a video um, called Designing Tools for CSS Grid and Variable Fonts. It was like a Google Chrome developers video or it's done by Google Chrome developers. And it was a conversation between a designer and a developer. Um, and the interview was like, I think it was between Mustafa and Soledad Pinales who works Mustafa works on the Google team, I believe, and then um, as a designer. And Soledad is a developer who works on the Mozilla developer tools team. And um, if you've ever heard one of her talks, she's extremely enthusiastic. And that comes across in the video. Um, and it's a really great discussion because they talk about how um, the evolution and development of CSS Grid and designing for CSS Grid um, and a little bit about like upcoming features and like what you can do currently. So I would rec highly recommend that one. That is all. Awesome. Okay. And Eric, uh, you're in an airport right now, but are you able to give us your picks? I'm going to try to. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. That's pretty noisy airport, but I'm just, I've been listening in pretty interesting conversation. Uh, so my two picks are one for the complete software developers career guide. It's a book by John Sanmez. It's a really great book. I've been uh, just, I know most of the stuff he's talking about. Um, I actually got the audio book, but I decided that uh, it's a good refresher. So if you haven't followed John Sanmez, he has a YouTube channel. He does a bunch of like motivational speaking. Plus he also writes books. So that's really interesting. And my second pick is Crushing, uh, Crushing It by Gary Vee. I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. Um, he talks a lot about entrepreneurship, social media, how to build your influence. And the that part of me really likes it. Um, and so I've been reading that. So those are my, those are my two picks. Cool, cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And Dan, do you have some picks for us? Yeah. So on the book route, I, my business partner, Jay, sent me uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And I think I'm about halfway through it. And it's been like as straightforward, real as you can get. And I really like it. I like that kind of like refreshing attitude. It has a whole bunch of good advice on like where to apply, you know, for life, what matters to you, you know, put your energy for what matters in both business and personal. I think that's super effective. And it's just, a, it's a funny book, a lot, a lot of short stories. Um, the yeah, second sound like important questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, a really direct way. I, Mark Monson wrote, he has a big blog. Uh, and he talks about different, you know, lifestyle choices and stuff. And it's, it's impressive. And then I guess for the, another pick, I've been reading a lot of books lately has been a tribe of mentors by Timothy Ferris. Those two books right there are just like, wow. You know, he, he interviews a whole bunch of uh, different people in different industries, like leaders and artists. Uh, you know, people are good at working out, developers, VC, and ask what they do, the same five questions, what they do in certain scenarios, what they like. And just the variety of responses really opens your eyes to like what these people are like as people, you know, what, what bothers them, what, how do they handle it. It's just an awesome book and I feel like every, every single person had a unique story and that was exciting. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's, that's our goal on views on view, just to learn all the view, absorb all the knowledge and it, just to justify people coming on. We also publish it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great podcast. I've listened to them all up to this point. I love it. Oh, cool. Cool. Thank you. All right. And then my picks for today. Um, I'm going to have to check out this Casio watch because 
I've had a Pebble 2 for a while and I love my Pebble 2. Pebble, unfortunately, is out of business right now. They got bought by Fitbit. And so support for Pebble is sort of deteriorating, but I'm thinking about buying another Pebble 2 just because it is so good. And people like you can find on Amazon, there are still reviews for the Pebble 2 and people buying it because they love it. And there's nothing else that comes close. Um, At least that that I've said, I'm going to have to check out this Casio. I had a Pebble and I really liked it. And the thing that I loved about it that I hate about my Casio is the Pebble battery lasted forever. I mean, oh, because yeah. it was white, you know, it's just it's an e-ink and yeah. stupid smartwatches. Like even this this Casio, if I don't charge it literally every day, then it's out of battery. It's got to be charged every day. So I, I dislike that about it. Yeah, I, I don't want another thing to charge. And, you know, the, and the Casio, no, the viewers can't see it, but I'll show you. It's it's not a tiny, it's not a small watch. It's got a big profile. Yeah. It's a big meaty watch, right? Yeah, I'm so, seeing it. A nice chunky watch. Like this is, like think if you've played the Fallout games, think of the. the (laughs) Yeah, my my left arm is not not quite that big, but uh, more muscular than my right arm because I wear the watch on that side. (laughs) No, uh, No, really, there is part of me that does want something that looks like a Pit Boy, you know, from Fallout, or like you know, Mega Man's blaster. Like I want something beefy to let people know that like I am serious about my watch. Now, one thing that's cool about this Casio watch is that it does have a basically sort of an like an e-ink mode that it has. I don't know if the something about the display, but when it's dim, it doesn't just go black. It actually still shows the clock, but all the display is off and it looks like it's an e-ink display. So the problem is, is it doesn't actually change the battery life. <laughs> battery life mm. still only lasts a day. But man, I do love Pebble. I wish that somebody would come back out with another e-ink smartwatch. Yeah. So you can have a battery, your battery last more than a couple of days. Yeah, I'm still using watch. my current Pebble, but it's like it's falling apart. I just abused it so much. Mm. Uh, but it's such a good watch. Uh, okay, so that's that's one of my picks, the the Pebble Two, um, which you know m- maybe I might be looking at the Casio instead. Well, I'll be doing some research again. Uh, also, uh, I have a board game called Code Names. Uh, this is a really good board name for like introverts, and it's also something that people can pick up really, really, really quickly. Like there isn't a lot to it. It's not one of those games where, oh yeah, like the first time you play it and the second time you play it, it's not going to be that fun. But then the third time you play it, oh yeah, you're really going to get into it, but you've got to put like five hours in first. No, not at all. Uh, Codenames is is really simple. Anyone can pick it up and you don't have to be constantly like talking to people the whole time, which some introverts find a little bit off-putting, especially with new groups of people. So that can be a good one to pick up. I think it's relatively cheap. You can find that on Amazon or something, I'm sure. Yeah, you can get it for like 13 to 15 bucks. Have you tried any of the variations on it? No, I haven't. I, I just started playing it recently. Mm, there's a picture version, and then there's like a Marvel version and a Disney version if you have kids, if you're going to play with kids. Uh, my wife and I have, there's a duet version for two people, and you actually like cooperatively play together and try to beat the game. And that's pretty fun. Mm. And it actually has like levels. You start with like a simple level and then you can go through the advanced levels. And you're kind of like working around the map, like your spies going around to different cities. It's kind of fun. Huh. I will have to check that out. Thank you. Yeah. Codenames Duet. Codenames Duet. Thank you. All right. And then my final pick is View Contributor Days, which is um, on June 6th, you can register and attend online. I'm going to drop a, a link to register in the show notes. And it's going to be an event where uh, people from all over the view community, you know, including people who are maintaining mobile development frameworks and people who are, you know, working on Nuxt and people who are producing educational resources for view. We're all coming together into this online event 
Uh, and uh, we're answering a lot of questions. Uh, we're giving a lot of updates about all these different parts of the ecosystem. Uh, this is a pretty unique event. I definitely recommend checking it out. You can register and attend online at the link that I'll, I'll put below. And I, I think it's at contributordays.com slash contributor hyphen days slash view. But again, I'll drop that link in the show notes. Okay. And that's it for today. Thank you everyone for joining us on Views on View. And we'll see you next time. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.